How does Jesus treat us when we fail? That is a crucial question, isn't it? Since we are all failures. Since we are all shalom breakers. We've all said that we would stand and then we fell. Uh, We have all said that we would walk with Jesus and then we have all had our falls. Peter is gonna teach us today. What does it look like when we fail? How does Jesus treat us when we mess it all up? We need to know the answer since we all are in the same boat with Peter. At this point in the story, in this 40-day journey we're taking between the resurrection and the ascension of Christ into heaven, Jesus has appeared to his disciples two different times. He has taught them from the scriptures about who he was, about all of the messianic prophecies. He's He's begun to teach them about why he came and what it was all about. And the disciples' eyes have been opened to the beauty and majesty of this incredible story called the gospel. But Peter has yet to speak to Jesus one-on-one. Peter has yet to deal with the elephant in the room, his massive failure. Three times he denied that he knew Jesus at all. When he said he would stand by Jesus' side, Jesus ended up going to the cross alone. Peter ran for his life. And today, today on a seashore, we're gonna find out what Jesus does when we fail. If you'll turn in your Bibles with me to the book of John, we're gonna look at chapter 21. And the Bible says this, after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. So they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and he plunged into the sea. The other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Now what's about to happen here is a situation that we all need to learn from. We all need to know what Jesus does with failures like Peter, like these other disciples, like us, like me, like you. How's he gonna treat Peter after his massive failure? We're about to find out on the shores of Galilee on this beautiful morning where Jesus is standing on the shore. You see, what Peter is about to find out is that Jesus' grip on Peter is much stronger than Peter's grip on him. What he's about to find out is that failure does not have to be fatal. And my friends, that is good news.
So this scene is absolutely fascinating that we see here in the book of John. On the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus is actually recreating two scenes from Peter's past. This is what it looks like for Jesus to restore us, for Jesus to deal with the elephant in the room when it comes to our failure. Have you ever had a bad situation with someone where maybe you guys disagreed or maybe there was a falling out and then when you were around each other again, it seemed to be awkward, like the conversation was off and you didn't know how things were gonna be? I'm sure that's how Peter felt uh, when he swam to the shore on that morning. He didn't know what Jesus was gonna do he didn't know how he would be treated. And in order to bring restoration, Jesus is going to have to take Peter back, back to the past, back to the places that began their relationship, eventually back to the place that broke it. And what we're going to see is that as Jesus recreates these scenes, the first one he does is the exact same situation that was there when Peter and Jesus met for the first time. In the book of Luke, you may remember it, Jesus comes to Peter on a seashore. Peter had been fishing all night long. He'd caught no fish, just like this particular night. And, and I don't know if you've read the story, but I thought we would show you an incredible depiction of what actually happened that day. It could have looked something like this. Do you need help? I'm not looking for any help. And besides, there's nothing to help with. Hey, what are you doing? You can't just climb into my boat. You're right. Give me a helping hand. What do you think you're doing? We're going fishing. There are no fish out there this time of day. In fact, there are no fish out here any time of day. Peter, just give me an hour, and I will give you a whole new life. Who says I want one? I tell you, there's no fish out there.
How did this happen? What did you do? I'm giving you the chance to change your life. I love that depiction of what happened when Jesus and Peter first met. It's an amazing story, but what that depiction did not tell you is Peter's response the first time he met Jesus. When Peter realized that Jesus was special, when he realized this was a man of God with great power, when the miracle of the fish took place, the Bible records in Luke chapter 5, verse 8, that Peter looked at Jesus and said, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Peter wanted to get away from Jesus the first time. But this time, this morning on the side of the Sea of Galilee, when Peter realizes that it's Jesus on the shore, the Bible says he literally jumps into the water like a wild man and swims for the shore several hundred yards. What's the difference? Both times it has nets involved. Both times Peter is fishing. But the first time he runs away from Jesus and the second time he runs to him. What's the difference? The second time, Peter is beginning to understand the gospel. This is the difference between religion and the gospel. The first time Jesus and Peter meet, Peter is a religious man, and religion will make you run away from God when your sin is exposed. Peter realized in a very deep way that first time he met Jesus that he was a sinner and it made him feel ugly and dirty and unworthy. And the religious part of him said, I gotta get away from this. I gotta get away from you. Depart from me, Jesus. But the second time, the second time, now Peter has seen the resurrected Jesus and the resurrection changes everything. And for several weeks now, several appearances, Jesus has taught them the gospel. He's taught them why he came. Peter is beginning to see the whole picture and the gospel will cause you to jump out of the boat and swim to Jesus. So if you want to know if you really are a believer, if you really understand the gospel, if you really understand the love of God, uh, you can see it in your reaction to him. Are you going to ask him to depart from you? You're going to run away from him? Or when you see Jesus on the shore of your life, do you jump out of the boat and swim for the shore? The difference between Peter the first time and the second time is a deeper understanding of the love of God and an understanding of the gospel. And my friends, the gospel is always good news. It will draw you to Jesus instead of pushing you away. I can't tell you how crucial it is that we as believers understand the difference between religion and gospel. You can see it in this picture. The two responses of Peter to seeing Jesus. But let me ask you, right there where you are, in your living room or maybe in your car, maybe you're on your back porch joining us today. How do you respond to Jesus when you fail, when you feel like you've blown it, and then you see Jesus? 
Maybe you see him in the Word when you read the Bible. Maybe uh, you see it when you hear a sermon. Maybe you are uh, placed in front of Jesus when you remember what you've done and how you've blown it so bad. How do you react to him? If you are a religious person, you will have a negative reaction to Jesus. As you see him in all of his goodness and holiness and perfection, you will want to get away. And that's how Peter felt the first time. But it is almost unimaginable how different his second response is. When you begin to see how much Jesus loves you, when you begin to see that his grip on you is stronger than your grip on him will ever be, you will run to him. Peter understands the gospel now, not completely, not totally, but he has far more understanding of how much Jesus loves him. Isn't it interesting that Jesus has come for Peter again, even after his failure, even after all the wrong he's done, he looks up from his boat and he realizes Jesus just won't let him go. The scene has been recreated because Peter has gone back after his failure and after even seeing the resurrected Christ, Peter still isn't sure if Jesus will still use him. Does Jesus still have a plan for his life? Is Jesus even interested in Peter anymore? He understands that he loves them collectively, but does he really still love Peter? And what does he do? He goes back to the nets. In fact, let's talk about nets for a moment. I don't know if you guys know how to throw a cast net. A great friend of mine actually uh, gave me this a few years ago, and he's promised he's going to teach me how to throw one. I've tried a few times. I'm not very good at it. In fact, if you've ever seen someone throw a net, it's a beautiful thing if they really know what they're doing. Well, I don't know if you realize this. We all have nets. Let me tell you what I mean. Peter's net, uh, the Bible tells us he threw it down with the other fishermen that followed Jesus that first time they met in the book of Luke. The Bible says that they followed Jesus and they left their nets at the shore. But now, after Peter's failure, after the crucifixion, and even after seeing the resurrected Christ. Peter's not fully restored yet, and what does he do? He goes back to his nets. He goes back to his old life, which tells you that maybe he never fully let go of them the first time. Maybe he left the nets on the shore, but he knew right where they were. And what does he do when he thinks maybe the vision for his life the dreams for his life, the things he thought God would do with him. Maybe he thinks he's blown it so much that all that's over now, he goes back to his old life. Peter had a net that he kind of kept behind him, close enough he could grab it, right? What about you? What about me? See, I think we have nets as well. The nets of our shame, the nets of our old life, the nets of old habits. We all have them. We all have those things that when we fail or when we feel like we're far from God, we tend to run back to them. Our old lives, our old ways of thinking, our old habits. We tend to hang on to our old failures. It's like people who've been brought back to life that want to hang out at the entrance to their old tombs. When Jesus is calling us to walk forward. See, Jesus, when he called Peter away from his nets the first time, he really wanted them to lead them there. But Peter never truly left those nets. He went right back to them. And I think the problem is for many of us, we always tend to go back to the nets, don't we? And what we're gonna find out today is that Jesus will not let us hang on to our nets. Because where Jesus is taking us, we're gonna need our hands empty so that he can fill our hands with all that he has in store.
So Peter swims from the boat to the shore. I can't imagine how incredible this scene was. I can't imagine what the other disciples were thinking as they were rowing that boat back to the shore. Well, what happens next? Let's go back to the biblical account. We go back here to John 21. Uh, and the Bible uh, says in the beginning of verse 8, But the other disciples came in in the little boat, dragging the net with fish. Verse 9, Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Now what's going on here with Jesus has made the disciples breakfast. And here's what I love about this. Jesus is restoring Peter. He's restoring his disciples back to their relationship with him, back to the mission he has for them. And he doesn't do it in a big, beautiful temple. He doesn't do it with uh, this huge, dramatic event. He does it the way he spent three and a half years with them. He meets them where they are, real life, real deal life. That's how Jesus meets us. Oftentimes it's not with big music intro and a big music outro. It's, it's Jesus meeting us on the shores of our own lives, our own failures. It's Jesus meeting us in our tough moments, in our hard moments. It's Jesus teaching us and loving us. Jesus makes charcoal fires for us too. Sometimes it's circumstances, sometimes it's situations out of our control. Sometimes it can be a global pandemic that we didn't see coming. And if we look close enough, if we breathe in the air of our situation, we may just smell the charcoal burning. That Jesus wants to talk to us. Jesus wants us to sit down, pull up a seat, and listen and talk. Jesus meets us where we are. And he does that for these disciples on this day. And he tells them to bring some of the fish that they just caught. Of course, they don't need to since Jesus, like he had done several times before, they remembered all of these moments. He fed 4,000, he fed 5,000 where he created fish and bread. And here again, Jesus creates bread and fish for their breakfast. Verse 11, it says, Simon Peter went up and he dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. Someone counted those fish or as John Eldridge, a great writer says, maybe they began to count the fish and Jesus looked at them and said, there's 153 since he, of course, is the one that put the fish in the net. 153 fish. Although there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. I love this scene. And I want you to get the meaning and the beauty of this scene. I want you to know that when you have failed and you have blown it, and every one of these disciples had, the greatest of which was Peter, Jesus will come to you. How does he treat failures? He pursues you. When you think you're done, Jesus isn't done. When you think you've built the wall too high and too thick, Jesus will break through it. And when you think you've gone back to your old life and you're useless to God now and it's all over with, you just may look up from your nets and your boat, your old life, your failure. You may look up from your self-loathing and your uh, shame and find Jesus standing at the shore, inviting you back, inviting you in. And that's exactly what he's about to do for Peter. So now we come to the most powerful moment, the most powerful scene in this story. 
Jesus is going to call out to Peter. He's got several disciples here, but they all know the elephant in the room, right? They all know the awkwardness. It's Peter and Jesus. Peter had told Jesus he would die with him. Peter had had arrogantly said that he would go all the way to a cross with Jesus, that he would never leave Jesus. And then, of course, he had denied Jesus three times. And now we're going to see not just Peter's reaction when he jumped out of the boat, we're going to see his repentance now. And sometimes repentance is like surgery. It's necessary, but it can be painful. And this is going to be a tough moment that's going to end up really good for Peter. But before he can move forward, he's got to go back to his failure and be honest about it and own it and deal with it. So just like Jesus recreated the entire scene where he first met Peter, he now recreates the scene of Peter's greatest failure. Where did Peter deny Jesus three times? It was by a charcoal fire. There's only twice that John talks about a charcoal fire in his entire gospel. And it's when Peter failed him outside in a courtyard. He denied that he knew Jesus three times by a fire just like this. And now Jesus builds another one. He recreates the scene and he looks at Peter and he takes him all the way back to that courtyard because before you can move forward, you got to deal with the failure. Here's how it goes. Verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah. Notice he calls him by his old name. That was Simon's original name. Jesus renamed him Peter the Rock, right? But now Jesus is reminding Peter that he's going back to his old life. He's going back to those nets. He reminds Peter that if he's not careful, he's going to slide back into the person that Jesus called him away from. He calls him Simon, son of Jonah. And he says this, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, then feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. And then he said a third time. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. The scene is totally recreated. He says to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now, what's going on here? This is very important to understand. Jesus and Peter are using two different words for love here. When Jesus says the first time, do you love me? He uses the word for love that is so strong, it means totally sold out. But Peter does not answer, yes, I love you, with the same word that Jesus used. Peter uses a lesser intensity form of the word love. Jesus asked him a second time, do you love me? He uses that strong word for love again, and again, Peter answers with the lesser form of love. Peter's saying, yes, I love you, and, and what's different? See, Peter had always overcommitted and underdelivered. Peter had always arrogantly believed in himself. He thought he would outperform the other disciples. He thought he would never leave Jesus, just like you and I, many times, I bet. We have all thought we would do better than we actually did, and isn't that a crushing reality when you realize you didn't even live up to your own expectations? And we've all been there, haven't we, where Peter is in that moment. So Peter has decided he will never overcommit again. So when Jesus says, do you love me? The old Peter would have said, absolutely, I'll die with you. But on this seashore, after being broken by his own failure, Peter is unwilling to make these massive commitments because he doesn't believe in himself anymore. And that's actually a good thing. That's actually a good place for him to be. 
So Jesus looks at him the third time, and guess what? He comes to Peter. He uses the third time the word that Peter had been using for love. In other words, Jesus looks at Peter and says, it's okay. I will come to where you are. We can work with that. So the third time Jesus says, do you love me? And Peter says, you know all things. You know I love you. At this point, Peter says, I'm depending on you here. I've got rickety faith. I've proven to you that I'm a failure. And Jesus looks at him, and not only does he bring him to repentance by walking him through his failure, but then he restores him to his mission. Jesus tells him, feed my sheep. He's not done with him. He's not done with him. And what Jesus is calling out of Peter is the big question of all of our lives. Do you love Jesus or do you trust in yourself? Do you trust in your own ability to be strong and to be brave and be courageous? And we all will come to the end of that when we realize none of us are as strong or as courageous as we truly want to be. Jesus is the hero of this story. And in this moment, Peter finally accepts that. Peter, in other words, is saying to Jesus, I love you, but I want to love you more. to you. 
So at the end of this amazing story that we all need to hear, since we all, like Peter, have failed, since we all, like Peter, have gone back to our old life, our own ways, since we all have so often overpromised and underdelivered, we needed to hear this story, right? And at the end of it, verses 18 and 19 tells us that Jesus looked at Peter and he said, when you were younger, you went your own way. You did what you wanted to do. But in the future, as you follow me, you're going to be led to a place you don't want to go. Your hands are going to be outstretched. What was Jesus talking about? The Bible says that he was talking about the death that Peter was going to die. And the Bible doesn't tell us how he died, but we know from history, two different writers, Tertullian and Eusebius, both write that Peter eventually would be crucified upside down in Rome. It's an incredible story. Peter, who was so very cowardly in a courtyard, after his experience of restoration with the resurrected Jesus, was never the same. This time when he left the nets at the shore, he'd never go back to them. It would take him all the way to an incredibly painful and horrific death, but a heroic one, one that would go down for the ages, one that would bring great glory to his king. What about you and I? Are we willing to let Jesus restore us? Listen, if the gospel that you have believed, if the story you have believed is one that keeps you in shame and keeps you anxious and keeps you trying to work for your salvation and keeps you trying to run back to your old life and your nets, then it's not the gospel of the Bible because the gospel of Jesus changes us. The gospel of Jesus calls us away from our nets and into our future. The gospel of Jesus restores us and puts us on mission. Jesus looks at Peter and says, I can work with what you have. I can work with rickety faith. I can work with your uh, broken promises. I can work with all of it because Jesus wasn't surprised by Peter's failure and he's not surprised by yours. So the only person that's gonna keep you stuck in your past, in your failures, in your nets, is you, not Jesus. He's standing at the shore waiting for you to jump in, waiting for you to come to him waiting for you to drop your nets. What's it gonna take for you to have that moment with Jesus where you finally say, I'm dropping the nets. I'm not going back. I'm walking forward. I'm gonna do what you want me to do, Jesus. I love you, help me love you more. My friends, Jesus is not surprised by your failure. He uses your failures. In fact, failure does not have to be fatal. And that is really, Good news.